I don't understand why I have to pray. I'm a good person. I don't steal from anyone. I'm not lying. I'm not a bad person. So I don't understand why I have to pray to be a good person. When Allah talks to the mushrikun of Arabia, right? And he talks to the people that lived in Mecca. Then it's important to understand something about the history of Mecca. And it's important to understand who these people were and what their culture was like. And why is Allah talking to them in this way? So when Allah addresses an audience, it's beneficial to know the background or some things about that audience. So when Allah is talking to the Jewish and Christian people, then it's also beneficial to know something about Jewish and Christian history and who these people are, what their tradition is, because Allah is interacting directly with them. And the Quran is oftentimes directly interacting with their material, their work and, and what they believe. Surah Al-Hadid is an interesting example of that. If you look at the book of Genesis, the, you know, the, the Old Testament, then it begins with God created the heaven. In the beginning there was light, God created the heavens and the earth in six days. And according to their, some of their wording, on the seventh day he rested. That's what they have with them, right? So there's mention of nur, mention of light, and there's a mention of the creation of the heavens and the earth in six days. In Surah Al-Hadid, Allah will talk about nur a lot. So, نُورُهُمْ يَسْعَى بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَبِأَيْمَانِهِمْ They'll say, لِيُخْرِجَهُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُّورِ يَجْعَلْ لَكُمْ نُورًا تَمْشُونَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ Right, there's multiple references to light. The light of Allah, the light of revelation. The light that Allah brings people, his, you know, the, so He brings the ummah out of darknesses back in towards the light. Right, so the, and then the light of judgment day. The light we're going to need to walk all the way from where we're resurrected all the way into Jannah. May Allah complete all of our light on that day and the, the munafiqun may Allah not make us from them who may, some according to some of us when they get resurrected they have some light so they start walking with the believers and then the light gets taken away and all of a sudden their batteries die and they're they're trying to catch up with the people who have light and a wall is dropped so light is a major theme of this surah but also the Quran responds to the Bible's wording and says he created the skies and the earth in six days what does the bible say the seventh day he rested there's no mention of the seventh day Allah says thumma stawa ala al-arsh Allah then mentions his majesty his control and his taking over his taking up of the throne you know and then that's which is symbolizes Allah's power so where the biblical account was kind of alluding to a weakness right rest Allah changes the narrative and it becomes about the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is never ending Right? And then when you come towards the end, if you look at the Old Testament, the, the main prophets after the story of Adam alayhi salam is uh, Noah, Nuh alayhi salam, then Abraham, and then the biblical prophets all the way, the progeny of Abraham, the children of Abraham, and all the prophets that come from that lineage, all the way to when you get to the New Testament, which the Christians believe in, then you get to Jesus. Right? So the two main figures in the beginning are Nuh and Ibrahim alayhi salam. And then the, the, the stories of the prophets continue in the Bible until you get to the New Testament and you get all the way to Jesus. What does Surah Al-Hadid do at the end? وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا نُوحًا وَإِبْرَاهِيمٌ Allah highlights, subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, we sent Nuh and Ibrahim. And any Jew or Christian listening to this that is familiar, especially their, their common masses didn't know much about the Bible, but the knowledgeable people did. The moment they hear Nuh, Ibrahim, in that order, they're like, wait, that's what we have. That's, that's our book. Why is he talking about that? Like he's pointing directly at what they have. And then he says, So we sent both of them, We sent in their lineage, 
prophethood and the book. And which is also really remarkable. Because prophethood, you know, according to one narration, Like every time a prophet among the Israelites died, another took his place. At least the beginning lineage we're even familiar with. Ibrahim alayhi salam is a prophet. His son Ishaq alayhi salam is a prophet. Ishaq's son Yaqub alayhi salam is a prophet. Yaqub's son Yusuf alayhi salam is a prophet. So every generation is getting a prophet, right? And Allah even tells us in, the, in these ayat, you know, that, that He put in their children prophethood, but then He says, well, kitab, separate from prophethood. He said, and He put in their lineage the book, the law. And this law is important to understand. This is Allah referring to what Allah gave to Musa alayhi salam. Because the first time a book is revealed. And kitab is a reference to a book and also reference to law, sharia. Halal and haram. Must do this, must not do this. Allah gave that for the first time to Musa alayhi salam. And so, and after that, all the prophets that come among the Israelite prophets, many of them mentioned in the Quran, all of them are reinforcing what was already given to Musa alayhi salam. And the last prophet that came in that line to teach again to the Israelites what they had lost from what was given to Musa alayhi salam was him, in fact Jesus. It was Isa alayhi salam. So Allah says about him, يُعَلِّمُهُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةَ وَالتَّوْرَاةَ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ Right? And he, Allah didn't just give him Injil, He also taught him the Torah. Allah taught him the Torah. So they, he could actually debate with their scholarship and correct them. Now I'm telling all of you this not just for interesting Christian and Jewish history, but a lesson Muslims need to learn for themselves that Allah is teaching us in His timeless book. So let's get to that. Allah Azza wa describes that prophets were sent right before this. Bilbayinat. Allah sent prophets with clear proofs, with two with clarity, absolute clear evidences. And I just want you to remember two things about al-bayinat that'll make this discussion easy. One thing I want you to remember about what Allah sent with all these prophets is that why should they believe in a prophet? Why should they believe in a god? Why should they believe this is true? All of that became clear through the message of the prophets. So if somebody came and heard a prophet and said, why should I believe you? Why, do you? why should I believe that God speaks to you? Or an angel speaks to you? Why should I believe that there's an afterlife? Why should I believe in your version of God? There's so many other religions out there, I can believe in any of them. Allah says that when He sent a prophet, He sent them with al-bayyinat, means anybody who could come and listen to what they had to say and hear their arguments, it would become completely clear to them that they are speaking the truth. So why should I become a Muslim? The answer was with al-bayyinat. The answer to the why. But there was another question. Okay, fine. This is the truth. But what does this God expect from me? What does Allah want from me? What should I be doing? What should I not be doing? What, you know, what are the requirements? Okay, fine. I'm, I'm ready to sign up. But what, what's the assignment? What, so there's the why and there's the what. And the what was also made absolutely clear by what the messengers were given. The why and the what, I would even argue even the how, was made absolutely clear. What do you have to do? You have to pray. How do you pray? The messengers will teach you. What do you have to believe? The messengers will teach you. Why should you believe? The messengers will teach you. And that's all inside Al-Bayyinat. Now why is that important? Because human beings, we can't commit to something if we don't know the why. If, if, if you don't know the reason, you can't show serious commitment. If a university student says, I'm going to college, and you say, why? Because my parents are making me go. His why is weak. 
So he's going to be a weak college student. Another college student goes to the same university and you say, why are you going to this university? Well, I love physics. I love it. I love this subject. I want to learn everything about the subject. His why is strong. That student may be sitting in the same class, but the level of commitment, dedication, and even output later on is going to be worlds apart because he's clear on the why. You with me? So that, that, that's really important that the why should be there. Now let's bring that to Islam. Some kids, you know, we don't have to talk about the American Muslim community. Around the world, as I've traveled, I like to just speak with young people, college, university students, and just kind of just have a chat with them. Not just the ones that attend my lectures or Islamic, they're in the Islamic scene, just young kids at a restaurant, you know, kids that are playing sports. I just have a chat with them. So have you ever thought about why you're Muslim? And the most common answer is, I don't know, because my parents are Muslim. I don't know. The why is weak. And the why is weak for hundreds of millions of people. The why is weak. Right? And when the why is weak, then the what, because the what is, okay, now clearly this is why you're Muslim. Now this is what Allah wants you to do. Then they're like, I don't even see the point of doing this. I mean, why do, I don't understand why I have to pray. I'm a good person. I don't steal from anyone. I'm not lying. I'm not a bad person. So I don't understand why I have to pray to be a good person. And then we sent along with them the law. What to do? What's right and wrong? That was the second step. The rules and the regulations. But the rules and the regulations sit on top of the existing foundation. This even happened in the seerah of the Prophet Allah built the foundation of why should people believe in this religion? Because anybody who believed in the Prophet their life became miserable. Their family left them. Everybody started hating them. People started calling them crazy. They even, some of them got killed. At least they had to lose all of their assets. Look, when we talk about the Muhajirun, they left, they lost their homes, they lost their families. You know, they were kicked out. They can't go back home ever again. They lost all their businesses, property, all of that just because they accepted Islam. So that why must have been really, really strong, right? But Allah built that why. And then they, when they get to Medina, they get there. Then Allah starts giving them laws, al-kitab. He starts giving them regulations, what to do. But one thing was very clear to them, that these laws that Allah has given, their purpose is something higher. The purpose of the law is actually justice. Mizan means the scale, right? The weighing scale. And obviously in every culture, that's a symbol for justice, right? So they understood that the purpose of the law is to actually establish justice. But justice for who? So people could live by justice. Not just themselves. The justice of Islam that came and the prophets that brought, brought this religion, they weren't just bringing these regulations and these teachings so Muslims can benefit. In fact, it was so human beings can live justly. It was to the benefit of all. Think of just, that will become too long of a khutbah, but just think of a couple of quick examples that are clear in the Qur'an. When the Qur'an first came, and ayat of the Qur'an were being revealed to the Prophet wasallam, Allah was talking about a baby girl being buried alive and how wrong that is. Because the Arabs thought having a baby daughter is embarrassing, so some of them, am yadussuhu fit turab, right? And on judgment day, she's going to be asked, what crime did she commit to deserve being killed? bin بِنْقُتِلَتْ but that child that was born was not born in a Muslim family. That was born in a mushrik family. That's, a, that's not a Muslim problem. That's a mushrik problem. And when Allah says, فَذَلِكَ الَّذِي He pushes the orphan. Allah criticizes the one who pushes the orphan. He doesn't say, يَدُعُ الْيَتِيمَ الْمُسْلِمِ 
he pushes the Muslim orphan, any orphan. And when Allah says, you know, وَيْلُ لِلْمُطَفِّفِينَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا اكْتَالُوا عَلَى النَّاسِ يَسْتَوْفُونَ People, you know, the worst kinds of hell is designed for people who cheat others in business. When it comes to delivering their service and their product, they give less. And when it becomes to being customer, they make sure they get full. Is this talking about Muslim transactions or all transactions? It's all transactions. So the Qur'an started talking about matters of justice even before it was talking about matters of law. Even before the laws. So the, the concept was clear to the Muslims. Everything Allah gives, the point of it, the agenda of it is to establish justice. There, and justice that any human being can understand actually. Universal justice. Hey guys, you just watched a small clip of me explaining the Qur'an in depth as part of the Deeper Look series. Studying the Qur'an in depth can seem like a really intimidating thing that's only meant for scholars. Our job at Bayyana is to make deeper study of the Qur'an accessible and easy for all of you. So take us up on that challenge. Join us for this study, the deeper look of the Qur'an for this surah and many other surahs on BayinaTV.com under the Deeper Look section.